tonight on 60 Minutes. 60 Minutes, the centerpiece of major broadcasts on world events. 60 Minutes gives you the biggest headlines and best storytelling on TV and now on your schedule. President Trump's campaign. The term fake news. Role Russia may have played. From hard news and politics to lifestyle and pop culture, 60 Minutes gets the real story on America's most prevalent issues. The wall on the Mexican border. Humanitarian issues. Hear the 60 Minutes podcast on demand. Download and subscribe at the new radio.com app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by Citizens Bank, Drexel University, and the General Building Contractors Association. This is Growing Greater Philadelphia, bringing you the stories of economic growth, job creation, and business success from across the 11-county community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Now, here's Matt Gabry. Dreamers, visionaries, and creators, these are the people who become entrepreneurs and who risk it all. Having an idea is not enough. It takes incredible determination and planning for a startup to realize their dreams. Joining us this week to explore more about how businesses get their start, it's our great friend and colleague, Sean Hand from KPMG. How you doing, Sean? (laughs) What is up, dude? I'm so (laughs) glad to be here, man, because... You know how much I love the entrepreneurial spirit here in Greater Philadelphia. And one of the reasons I love our Growing Greater Philadelphia program is that we get to look in depth at so many incredible businesses and the minds that created those companies. You know, how they take ideas from concept to reality. Yeah, it's always been fascinating for me just to see how, you know, these business leaders grow over their career, how, you know, how they overcome obstacles and they're always challenging themselves to do more and to be more innovative. Businesses across our region, they span every sector from tech companies to artists and makers who are enriching the culture of our community really through their creativity. You always want the space to feel wabi-sabi and like it's continually changing, it's never completed. That's Shannon Maldonado. She is one of those creators in Philadelphia and we know what you're thinking. What's Wabi Sabi? But when we visited her home and lifestyle store named Yowie, which, to quote Shannon, is focused on curating small collections from friends, independent artists, and designers, we asked her to elaborate on that fun Wabi Sabi phrase. The easiest way to describe it is it's a Japanese design technique about imperfection and things never really being complete and just a mix of things that might not normally be together. And we thought it best to leave it to Shannon to describe the concept of wabi-sabi. But in her honor, we actually named this episode Wabi-sabi because we feel it perfectly describes the entrepreneurial process of starting and running a business. It's always evolving and it takes a mixed bag of people and professionals and other partners in order for an entrepreneur to truly succeed. So I grew up in South Philadelphia native of the area, went to Central, and when I was figuring out where I wanted to go, what I wanted to do, I went to New York to study fashion design nice. right after high school. Excellent. I uh, lived in New York for 12 years working for various companies, Ralph Lauren, American Eagle Outfitters, Tommy Hilfiger, loved it, loved fashion, had a great, great time. But towards the end of 12 years of doing it, just started to hit a wall creatively where I just wanted to do something else. I felt like there were all these other things that I had behind the scenes that I was into that I wasn't able to work on. And I started plotting 
nights and weekends, my business, what this business I wanted to be. It kind of started as a fun art project, I would say. Yeah. And it wasn't called Yowie at the time. It was just a home shop or some kind of home space that I was working on. Gotcha. So once I started plotting and scheming that to a point that felt good, I made this decision pretty soon after deciding I was going to do it, that I was going to move back to Philadelphia to do it. It was a big part of the story that I felt like what I wanted to do and what I wanted to create didn't exist here. And I just this weird urge to get back here and do it here. Yeah. It, it didn't feel like I could do it anywhere else but here. Yeah. So I just started planning that. So New York, FIT, and you invested 12 years of mm-hmm. your career and your life living and working in New York City. And you were describing a moment ago that, you know, I'll interpret that as, uh, you know, you were plotting your next step. Yes, definitely. Uh, what was the trigger for you that caused you to say, you know what? I've been here 10, 11, 12 years, probably started 10 or 11 years in, and you started to plot, you started Mm -hmm. to think. Was there a trigger that said, I got to make a change? There was definitely a trigger, but it was also kind of this slow unfold of every job I had would teach me something different and show me something I think I wanted down the line. So one of my first jobs at American Eagle was I worked on a startup team Mm -hmm. of a children's company that's no longer around. But the team was six people when I started, and by the time they closed the line, it was 78 people working there. So I got to see from start to finish how a brand is created, and it made me so excited and so hungry to maybe one day do that myself. Like Everything from creating the actual product to marketing to photography to designing a storefront to designing campaigns that get people excited, PR, I saw every single step. And I think that was the first thing where I'm like, wow, I really would love to do that one day on my own with my own parameters. And then throughout the time, I was at American Eagle for nine years. I got to design outerwear and denim and all these different categories that also reminded me how much I love being a designer and a creative person. So I think those two things combined just slowly started to show me you want to be creative, but you want to do it on your own in your own way. And maybe it just looks a little different than this. Yeah. So I wouldn't say I joke with people that I started Yowie because I hated my job. Right. But I think I just am this anxious, creative person. I just got a little bored and felt a little bit stifled in what I could actually achieve there. And I just needed to do something else. And I left my job on great terms. I told my bosses, like, I love you guys. I love it here. But there's this other thing. It's like a hum in the back of my mind. It's pulling me away. Yeah. And it's also pulling me home. And I was like, I can't do it here. I need to go back to Philly and do this. I just know that the audience is there. I know if I build it, they will come. You know, as they say, I was like, I have to go back. When I opened the shop, I really wanted the space to feel bright and clean and airy and modern. And the store where Shannon works every day, the place that she created, it's as warm and inviting as Shannon is. And you can truly see this space is an extension of her, her dedication to connecting with others and to making everyone feel welcomed. This is not only a store for Shannon. It feels like a creative center where artists and makers and even just those who appreciate art and design can come together to enjoy all that the art has to offer, all that creativity. So, Shannon. Yowie. Share I love the us. way you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Share with us, what is Yowie? I said I love the way you say it because one of the reasons I chose the word Yowie is it's a very exuberant word. Yep. I feel like you say it with a positive inflection, even if you don't know what it is. It's like, yes, or wow, or yeah, it's just it, really it, upbeat. It, yeah, it drives um, you in that direction. Yeah, and I see myself as a very positive person, so it felt like a good connection. But 
I had about 130 names picked at one point, narrowed it down to 10, then to five. Yowie is an Australian word in mm-hmm. context. It's their word for Bigfoot. So it's a mythological creature that lives in the woods. Wow. And I just thought it was really fun and kind of silly. And since it's not a word that's native to here, it has no connotation. And people always say, what is Yowie? Sure. And in the context of our store, Yowie is a home and life shop. Okay. We specialize in art and design products that are handmade. And that can be anything from ceramics to art prints. We also sell independent publications and zines. And then we have a small line of artist series t-shirts that I work on with friends. We just have like wacky ideas and we print 10 to 20 t-shirts based on those ideas. Very cool. Thank you. So one of the things that caught my eye is, if I understand it correctly, you kind of started out as an online operation and then evolved into a bricks and mortar operation, which I think is unique because a lot of times what we're seeing, especially in the retail space, is just the opposite. Definitely. And I think when I started to tell friends and family that I was going to open a store, they thought I was a little crazy because you keep reading the headlines, retail is dead, stores are closing, malls are closing. I think that's definitely true. But when I was at American Eagle for that nine years, it was my business school. I got to see how a big guy operates a billion dollar company. And I got to work on categories that every decision we made, every design I made was a million dollar idea, potentially. And through that, when I left, I wanted to see how can I take what I learned and apply it to something much smaller and more sustainable. So I think retail is not dead. It's evolving like everything else. And what I think I've worked hard for us to do really well is it's very personal. There's a human interaction there. I'm at the store most times and you come in or friends of mine. I know most of our customers by name. Mm-hmm. There's just this one-on-one interaction. I can tell you about all the products in our store, all of the artists I work with. I know their story. A lot of them are my friends. So I think it's just becoming more experiential and more personal. Right. I wasn't afraid at all because I knew it sounds a little cheesy, but if I put a lot of heart and a lot of thought into it, I knew that people would connect with it in a different way than they would a big box store. And they have. It doesn't sound cheesy at all, Shannon. It really doesn't. I love your vision for what you're building. And what also stands out for me is what you're describing is you're building a community. Definitely. Both online and in real life. Definitely. (laughs) Because there's only so much you can do online with a community. that You can do so much more and have so much more impact when you're actually interacting face-to-face with different folks. And I know that's important to you uh, from reading a little bit of your background. And I'd love for you to expand on that because you're getting involved in ways that, you know, maybe the average boutique owner or small business entrepreneur isn't necessarily doing. And you're doing it in a way that has a specific focus. When I left my job, my first goal was to open a store. And that started by, we were based online for about a year solely. And that was just a good test to see, you know, what products people were interested in from us. And then when I got back to Philadelphia, we were still based online, but I started doing these pop-up installations, which is a temporary retail space inside of another store. Okay. So we'd build a fake version of my dream store. And kind of like a test lab almost. Exactly. And I used seven in the end over the course of a year. And that was my first taste of just having this one-on-one conversations with people about products, about what they're looking for, what they're missing. And it was such a great thing for us to do that when we landed in the store, I was like, oh, I'm actually meant to open a store, but I'm also meant to build this community around Yowie of artists and creatives that are looking for a place to meet other creatives. So now we just turned uh, one three weeks ago. 
We have an active book club. I'm on the board of directors of Fleischer Art Memorial, and mm-hmm. I work with them actively. We have a monthly meetup series where artists and creative meet up, and we just do like a lunch that we get catered by a local restaurant, and we just do a workshop or we share like grievances or things we're challenged with and just connect with people. And we just keep having these events where it's not even about the product. It's just about just get to meet somebody new, get to share something you're working on, maybe connect with someone. I just had a coffee with someone today that took my first class at Fleischer and he told me five of the students met after the class. And like, it's just amazing. I just love connecting people. I don't think I knew that until I started the store. And I, now I see my role as not just a shop owner, but as a connector and a community member. Yeah. And the beauty of that is you never know that the tentacles you have out there are actually going to come together in in an unexpected way. Definitely. And now I feel now that it's been about a year, I'm like, Oh, of course that was what it was meant to be, but it had to just happen really organically in that way. I love how you described your evolution, if you will, at Yowie as we just turned a year. Yeah. We just celebrated our first anniversary. (laughs) We're one year old. Where do you see Yowie in three years, in five years? Yeah, I see Yowie growing into a couple of things. I think my three main focuses as channels for us is number one, the store. The store is always going to be our hub, our meeting place. All of our products will live there. It's my second apartment. I joke with people. Yeah. And then the second channel for us is we're launching a line of wholesale products. So it's products that I design. We're starting with pillows and some ceramics that we can also sell to other shops outside of the city just to continue to build our brand outside of Philadelphia. And then the third channel is I've really gotten into meeting with other small businesses, doing consulting work on interiors and design and just still just, again, connecting with people yeah. outside of the shop. So those are the three channels for us. And I love that third channel because you can provide a perspective to somebody that they're not expecting. Definitely. And you actually can develop a new perspective, similar to what you were describing before of, you know, when you set up these kind of pop-up shops, I think you mm-hmm. called them, in other stores, that was really the the foundation for your business plan. Definitely. And, and shaping what your store is going to look like. Definitely. And I think spending 12 years in New York, it does feel like a bubble often. Mm-hmm. You get a little jaded of what things cost, what people are looking for. Everyone in New York is creative or it feels like that at some point. Right. And when I got back to Philadelphia, I was like, wait a second, it's a different place. You know, a lot of people work regular jobs and I worked really hard to balance our price points and make sure the store feels as accessible as possible and just really connect with people and hear from them what they're looking for that's not in the market here in the space that we're trying to live in. That was really important to me. Want to hear more about how artists, creators, and Wabi Sabi fans are coming together in our region and to learn where you can check out all the best art in the neighborhood? Head online to hear the full interview with Shannon at 1210wpht.com slash select. The risky business of venture capitalism. That's coming up next. More than 25 Fortune 500 companies call Greater Philadelphia home. For more information about businesses growing in northern Delaware, southern New Jersey, and southeastern Pennsylvania, visit selectgreaterphl.com. 
This segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to you by Comcast NBC Universal, a proud investor of Select Greater Philadelphia Council. This year, Comcast will open the doors to the Comcast Technology Center, a world-class workspace for the company's growing workforce of technologists, engineers, and software architects, and home to the new Four Seasons Hotel Philadelphia at Comcast Center. Learn more about Comcast at ComcastCorporation.com. One in seven Philadelphians are Temple graduates. Learn more about Temple University at temple.edu. Welcoming new neighbors to the community is part of who we are. It's the Philadelphia way. That's why Select Greater Philadelphia invites you to their annual Welcome to Greater Philadelphia cocktail reception. It's our chance to say thanks for making Philadelphia your home. Thursday, October 25th, an evening filled with meaningful conversations and new friendships. Register at selectgreaterphl.com events. Presented in partnership with the H&K Group, a dynamic group of integrated companies providing complete construction solutions. Hi, everybody. It's Matt here to let you know that our growing Greater Philadelphia program would not be possible without the support from Citizens Bank. You know, the active engagement from Citizens Bank with this radio and podcast initiative and with all of our efforts at Select Greater Philadelphia to attract new businesses and new jobs to our community, it's really exceptional. Simply put, without the partnership we have with Citizens Bank, we could not do what we do. And we certainly could not deliver these stories of growth and innovation. The people of Citizens Bank bring practical financial experience and deep industry expertise to each banking relationship. You can learn how citizens can help your company reach its potential by visiting citizensbank.com slash commercial. So please join me in thanking Citizens Bank for believing in us at Select Greater Philadelphia and for helping us bring you this growing Greater Philadelphia program. Blank Rome is an AmLaw 100 firm with 13 offices and more than 600 attorneys and principals who provide a full range of legal and advocacy services to clients. Learn more about Blank Rome LLP at blankrome.com. Growing Greater Philadelphia, bringing you the people and projects that are transforming our collective community of Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. Creating a new company is hard. First, you have to have a great idea, and then you need to move that idea forward to implementation, and that depends a lot on if there's a need or a problem that the idea is trying to solve. The hardest part, however, may be in getting others to believe in your idea, so much so that they are willing to invest in it with, like, money, you know, financial backers. It's all about the money. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) But I can tell you, man, from my experience at KPMG, it is so important to establish a business relationship that is actually centered on a plan. You know, and based on trust. I totally get that, Sean. And, you know, in that spirit, we had the opportunity to sit down with Matt Gillen. He's the CEO of Relay Network. It's actually the second part of a two-part conversation we had with Matt. And this time, we welcomed into the discussion Mike DiPiano of New Spring Capital. And we wanted to learn how and why a venture capital firm that's been around for a a little over 20 years, decides to invest in a tech-focused startup like Relay Network. We started out by asking Mike just how he got his start in the world of venture capital before he became the managing partner at his company. New Spring was founded by a local community bank, and I was a shareholder of that bank and got involved with purchasing New Spring from the bank almost, again, as you mentioned, 20 years ago. And the idea was really very simple. We wanted to partner 
with spectacular executives who had dreams and ambitions that were large and grand, and we wanted to be able to support them financially and maybe more importantly, operationally, really be a partner with them. And the original idea, which was a small $90 million pool of capital, was we would do a third sort of growth capital. A third would be mezzanine, that is lending some money, and a third would be healthcare. And the idea was if we were successful investing that $90 million pool, we would split each of those thirds into their own separate buckets and support the companies that we either lent money to or invested in with specific domain experience in each of those three categories. And ultimately, that's what we've done. And we were able to do that. Was there a problem? Was there a niche that needed to be filled back in 1999 when you guys were getting started saying, you know, let's solve this? Sure. In 1999, there was a little bit of a niche that did grow pretty dramatically with the bursting of the bubble. So for a period of time, there was this hyper-investment locally with startups. Mm -hmm. A lot of those were in the internet space, internet e-commerce, et cetera. And as quickly as it grew, it just as quickly imploded when the NASDAQ in March of 08, effectively imploded it in March of 08, and dropped. And so all of a sudden, that capital match dried up. People that were investing capital, whether they be angel investors or institutions, either they had spent the institutional capital or they were fearful of investing capital on their own uh, personal you know, balance sheets. And so there was an opportunity to fill that void. Fortunately for New Spring, really luckily, we hadn't invested much capital prior to that bubble bursting. So we were one of the firms that had a fair amount of, relatively speaking, capital available to invest in companies like Matt's first company, which was eCount. So I want to learn more about eCount. And the Matt that Mike is talking about is the Matt Gillen that we uh, introduced a little while ago, who's now leading Relay. Yeah. And Matt, tell us a little bit about Relay, and then we'll come back and talk about eCount as well. Sure. So Relay is a brand new way for businesses to engage with their customers. So if you really think about what every business is trying to do, they're trying to drive lifetime value and customer satisfaction. And they all know that they need to do that through engagement, but the things that they're using don't work. People don't answer emails, they don't answer their home phones, they really don't have home phones anymore, they don't answer mail to the home, and they're not downloading your apps or going to your websites. How can you engage the customer today? So we came up with this brand new idea, which is with every product and service comes a service feed where you feed relevant information out to me to answer my questions before I even know I have them. And it's changed a lot of customer relationships in banking and home services and healthcare. And the net result is exactly what you'd hope for. Longer relationships, more profitable relationships, higher customer satisfaction, simply by changing the way you communicate with your customer. And how did you get connected with NewSpring? So as Mike alluded to, back in 19, let's call it 2000, we had bootstrapped a company, my partner Paul Raid and my brother Steve Gillen, and we were on the cutting edge of really some revolutionary technology. We patented a way of email and money from one person to another. We were competing with PayPal, literally PayPal. Wow. And we thought we were going to raise $50 million from a West Coast firm. The marketplace dried up, and we were left to the side of the road. Enter Mike DiPiano in New Spring, who took a chance on a local company. Now, the terms were not what we were hoping for before the bubble burst. But what we got the opportunity to do was to live to see another day, to bring in the capital with a venture group that was going to back us, that was going to help us, guide us even, to you know grow the company. And so that's how we met Mike DiPiano. And the local venture capital came in and saved the local company that would not have seen another day, really. And it, it turned out to be one of the great Philadelphia success stories. So the relationship that was established 
back in 2000 on a separate project called eCounts right. has grown into a long-term relationship and a business trust that New Spring has established with the Gillen brothers and partners. Yeah. And along comes in 2013, a, a new vision for this digital technology that connects people called Relay. Yeah. And, uh, and the connection continues. You know, when you build something like Matt built, as a venture capitalist, as an investor, I can't make money at all without leaders like Matt and visionaries and dreamers and people that are taking moonshots. When you practically or you take a step back and look at what they're trying to accomplish and you realize all the things that can go wrong, most people never take the chance. Most people never take the risk. And so my business is all about betting on those individuals that are like Matt. They're just willing to be so passionate, so driven to uh, take the shot. And without them, we don't have a business. I mean, quite frankly. And that relationship does get forged. It gets forged when you're making all those little decisions or you're facing all those little problems. And you look each other in the eye and you're willing to go to bat for one another when things look pretty bleak. In every case, somewhere along the line, something doesn't look so rosy. And you get to know not only Matt, you get to know Lisa, you get to know the kids, you get to know Marty, his mother, you get to know his father. Mm -hmm. You sort of get to know the whole spiel. I met his brother who now lives in Vietnam and, and more than once, actually a handful of times. And so when Matt came back and said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do Relay, from my perspective, was a no-brainer. We need to, to be involved. The difficulty for me at that point in time was we have you know minimum levels of revenue companies need to be in order to take our investment. And those are things we've negotiated with our investors to, to suggest that we are going to invest in companies of only this size and only this type of business. And because this was a scratch startup, we honestly weren't permitted to invest in it per our charter, per our limited partnership agreement. And so being reasonably creative people, we went back and renegotiated right, <laughs> the right, agreement and right. said, we need a carve out yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, for people that we call our serial entrepreneurial program people. And Matt was the first one that we backed. And we've since done a number and they've all been successful. These are folks that we've been able to get behind that had companies that were smaller at the time than we were permitted to invest in. And, but we were still able to to invest in those companies because our limited partners were eager to to be receptive to that creative change. So, Matt, Relay Network, it's your second business venture that New Spring actually invested in. Is there anything you kind of learned what you know now that you wished you knew then when you kind of first started as an entrepreneur? When we started eCount back in the day, we were younger and we thought you had to go get your money on the West Coast and you had to hire a West Coast attorney and you had to look and feel like all the companies on the West Coast. And the reality was none of them were there when, the, when they needed you. None or you needed them. None of them. And so we learned to build a relationship with a local lawyer like a Steve Goodman who passed away, mm -hmm. who gave his soul to the companies here. And you find people like Mike DiPiano and Glenn Rieger, who not only gave you money, but would drive over to the office and sit you down. Now, one of the things about New Spring, which was people don't know, our last company was about bringing money in and putting on debit cards that people could draw down. They came in and analyzed our business better than we did. They came mm -hmm. up with a way for us to leverage that capital and to a deferred revenue model that I never would have dreamed of. And they came up with that because they cared that much about the business. So, you know, for me, the venture, it's uniquely Philadelphia because of the relationships that are formed. There's a ton of money out there. And when we hired a banker to sell the company, we took a Philadelphia firm. We had a Philadelphia right. lawyer and we had Philadelphia money behind us and it made all the difference in times of difficulty. 
I love the story you just shared because it's really about value. Anybody yeah. can write you a check and yeah. be supportive financially, but the value that New Spring brought to this transaction and to the company to grow it was something you wouldn't get elsewhere. Well, people always talk about smart money. Yeah. And so smart money, every venture capital says, oh, do you want smart money? How do you differentiate for a hot company who can get their money from anyone? How do you really differentiate? I love doing references for New Spring. Because my first company, we had a Russian hacker, we had an employee die, we had ran out of capital, we had everything that you could have hit a small company. And these guys were there with us around the boardroom, never panicked, and always helped us find a way. So then, you know, when I talk to another entrepreneur, it's pretty easy. Hey, I know that these guys will be there with you. Now, I'll also say, you asked earlier, are they conservative? They're not conservative, but they strike really good terms. Mm. So the other thing I learned from them is structure really good deals and live with those deals. And, and if everyone knows the terms, everyone's happy. One of the things that comes to mind as you were describing the relationship and the interaction is the resiliency of folks in greater Philadelphia mm. is, you know, the, in our DNA is this kind of calm demeanor of let's get it done and we can work together to deliver on this. And some would argue it goes back to the founding of the country, frankly, but uh, well, it, it sounds like that stands out for you as well. I would be part of that camp. I mean, I think Benjamin Franklin was the greatest innovator possibly of all time. Sure. And certainly an inspiration to the region. To me, I have a son named Ben because of Benjamin Franklin. I think that there are dreamers, as Mike talked about here, and there are people that have missions and causes here. And if you have the mission and the cause, you can recruit and you can get capital and you can realize your, your dreams. To hear how the talent here in our region is unmatched and to hear all of the stories featured on Growing Greater Philadelphia, gotta head online to 1210wpht.com slash select. Growing Greater Philadelphia is presented by Select Greater Philadelphia. We're a council of the Chamber of Commerce for Greater Philadelphia, and we're the business attraction organization for Northern Delaware, Southern New Jersey, and Southeastern Pennsylvania. We work to grow the economic vibrancy of our collective community by attracting new businesses and new jobs to our neighborhood. Special thanks to our investors and our partners who believe in our efforts especially the team at General Building Contractors Association, also known as GBCA. The expert construction professionals who are members of the GBCA are literally helping to build the future of Greater Philadelphia. Learn more about all that GBCA does to advance the commercial, industrial, and institutional construction industry by visiting gbca.com. Special thanks also to our program producers, Elena Carmazan and Maricela Juarez, our writer, Samara Grizel, and our researcher, Steve Boucher. Learn more about Select Greater Philadelphia at selectgreaterphl.com and tune in to this radio and podcast program anytime at 1210wpht.com slash select. Independence Blue Cross, a proud sponsor of the Select Greater Philadelphia Council. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C. Learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. Green & Spiegel is a full-service immigration law firm that specializes in helping businesses grow in the Philadelphia region and nationally through global corporate migration. Learn more about Green & Spiegel at gns-us.com. 
Drexel University is one of the 15 largest private universities in the United States with over 24,000 enrolled students. Learn more about Drexel University at drexel.edu or call 215-895-2000. Deloitte LLP is a proud supporter of Select Greater Philadelphia. Deloitte's Philadelphia practice provides audit, consulting, tax, and advisory services, and supports the region's growth and development through their corporate citizenship efforts. Learn more at Deloitte.com. With a workforce of just over 3 million people, Greater Philadelphia is the sixth largest region in the country for employment. Learn more about what's driving growth at companies large and small in the Greater Philadelphia region at SelectGreaterPHL.com. Every Sunday, Face the Nation brings you in-depth interviews with the biggest names in Washington. Kellyanne Conway, Nancy Pelosi, Lindsey Graham, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You'll never miss an episode with the weekly podcast from CBS News Radio. Tune in to hear moderator Margaret Brennan and the country's top policymakers discuss today's toughest issues. What is going on? Is this political conspiracy or is this just incompetence? The Face the Nation podcast. Download and subscribe at the newradio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts.